Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, and I want to begin reading with verse number 1. Going to be a little bit of a teaching format here today. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 1. It's good to see Sister Nadine Dion uh, back with us this morning after her bout with pneumonia and had a little bit of a recovery of weakness and such, so we're so thankful that she's able to be with us today. Amen. Know that she still might be weak in body, but she knows she looks to the hills from which her help comes. Her help comes from the Lord. Amen. This morning. First Corinthians 15, starting with verse number one, the Bible states these words. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Going down to verse number 11 now, if you will. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. For a little while this morning, I want to teach along this subject matter, very simple, the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Amen. Let's pray that the Lord would help us this morning. Father, I need you, God, Lord, in this portion of this service. God, we're grateful for the songs that have already been sung. We're grateful, Lord, for each and everything that have already been accomplished in this house. I pray, O Lord, but now through the teaching of your word, enlighten our minds, touch our hearts afresh. Help us, Lord, to center our lives, God, around about your word today. God, knowing in it, God, that there is life, God, even for us of this present-day world. I pray, O Lord, touch every heart. God, touch every hearer today. God, that you're able to lighten their mind and their heart, Lord, that they would receive the word of the Lord. God, perhaps something, Lord, that they'll be able to connect with. Lord, some understanding, God, I pray, Lord, perhaps, Lord, grant it here today, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In the the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen, amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Shake a neighbor's hand before you're seated. If it's a guest next to you, tell them how good it is to see them. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. And just as a forewarning, I do have several scriptures today. And so you might want to keep your Bible on your lap uh, in case they're not on the screen. Just keep your Bible on your lap today. I heard one person speak not long ago, and it's very true. Uh, Sometimes this old Bible can just preach itself. Uh, You just go to the right scriptures and connect the dots. Uh, The word of the Lord can preach itself in many cases. Well, uh, you've heard it before. You've had people come to you and... uh, with maybe a little bit of a smile and at the same token a little bit of a grimace on their face and they come to you and they say well I got good news and I got bad news you've heard it you may have even said it and the question is well what would you like to hear first right and uh, according to who you are some of you want to hear the bad news first and then the good news some would like to hear the good news and then the bad news well I'm asking you I got some good news this morning I got some bad news so which all would you like to hear first Concerning the gospel, the gospel in its essence means basically good news. Good news comes from some old uh, Greek words and even some old uh, other English words that just meant a good tell or a good message, glad tidings or good news. It was a common thing in the culture of the old day that whenever people uh, were coming or leaving and meet each other, they would even ask each other. This was a common thing in culture that day. Do you got any good news? And they would would just counteract with whatever that good news might be. It's quite different from today. Uh, we, We underscore and capitalize bad news. That's what the news you hear about today from society and media, newspaper, matters that you're going to hear the bad news. But in that day, they want to know about the good news. Do you have any good news? And so the gospel was undoubtedly the good news. But the gospel has taken a little bit 
of a, 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 a alteration, a metamorphosis, if you will, a process that has changed and altered to a certain degree. Uh, it became a little bit more detailed, if I could say it like that, honed in on something. Before there was ever Calvary, uh, before there was every, ever Golgotha and the crucifixion that took place there, there was the preaching of the gospel. Before Calvary, there was the preaching of the gospel. There was the sharing, if you will, of the good news. It's termed many different things, the gospel of peace, the gospel of the kingdom, but in essence, it was good news. But after Calvary, after Golgotha, after that death and that burial, and particularly the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples preached the gospel in detail. The, the good news that they concentrated on was the best of the good news. And the best of the good news wasn't just the death and burial of Jesus Christ, but more importantly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they focused on the best of the good news. Now here is the bad news. Here's the bad news from the Old Testament, and here is the bad news from the New Testament. And just follow along with me here for a moment. The bad news is this. I'm just going to go through a series of occurrences that are in Scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Here's the bad news, stating a few verses of Scripture. As I walk through, I won't walk through the whole Old Testament before anybody gets scared, all right? But here are just a few clipses. The Bible says Sarah died and Abraham buried Sarah, his wife. The Bible says Abraham gave up the ghost and died, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. The Bible says that Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died, and she was buried. The Bible says that Rachel died and was buried. The Bible says that Isaac gave up the ghost and died, and his sons Esau and Jacob were, guess what? They did what to him? Man, you all catching on quick. The Bible says Miriam died there and was buried there. The Bible says there Aaron died, and there he was Guess what? Buried. Eleazar died, and they buried him. Gideon of the Old Testament, Scripture says, died and was buried. A man by the name of Jephthah died. We could go on and was buried. In the Old Testament, we see the constant, constant pattern. You die, you're buried. End of the story. New Testament, it carries on. The Bible, remember the story of John the Baptist? Someone wanted his head on a charger. He was beheaded. The Bible says that his disciples came and took his body. And what they do with it? They buried it. <laughs> the rich man also of a parable that Jesus told. The rich man, Scripture says, died. And guess what? And he was buried. The Bible speaking of Ananias. Ananias and Sapphira that come uh, stood before the disciples. They had sold some portions of land. And they said they were going to give it all, but they held some back, and so they lied. And as a result of their lie, the Bible says that Ananias, because he lied, there before God in the presence of God and the disciples, that he gave up the ghost and fell down dead. And guess what? Some young men come in there, they wound him up, they carried him out, and they, yeah, well, smart. They buried him. And so that's the common format of Scripture. You die when someone dies, you bury them, and that's the extent of it. But the gospel that the Apostle Paul speaks to you and I in 1 Corinthians 15 is this, tells a different story. That was the bad news. The bad news is the death. The bad news, per se, in a certain sense, was that we die and that we are buried. But the gospel of Jesus Christ changed all of that into some good news because it spoke of Christ dying, it spoke of him being buried, yet unlike any other before him, he rose again the third day. That's the reason why he says, I declare unto you the gospel. He was declaring the best of the good news. Amen. You say, well, the good news is, the good news is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And undoubtedly, I say, man, that is true. That's good news. That's really good news for us, that Christ resurrected and that he rose the third day. But the resurrection also indicates that somewhere along the line, someone died. The resurrection also within itself indicates that someone, according to the pattern of Scripture, after someone dying, they must also be buried, that something was probably buried as well, and it was. 
So therefore, the gospel, the good news, and if you're just saying that's the resurrection, yes, but that entails also a death and a burial. All of these things, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel that Paul even spoke of in Scripture. He told us in 1 Corinthians 15, that in in verse number 3, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He said, I declared unto you the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the good, the great news that he, was, he died, he was buried, and that he rose again. But there's something that we learn from Paul in the first verse of that chapter. He said, I declare unto you the, the gospel which I preached unto you. Something concerning the gospel, a must, if you will, the gospel. The gospel must be preached. The gospel must be preached or taught. The Bible states in Mark 16 and verse 15, now the setting of the scripture, all right, Jesus Christ has has already died, been buried and resurrected. However, this does precede his ascension up into heaven. He has some of his disciples around them. He is commissioning them. He is talking to them. And he states these words. And he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach what? The gospel to every creature. So, by the instruction of Jesus Christ to his disciples, he tells them, preach the gospel. After his resurrection, before his ascension, he tells them to preach the gospel. Preach the good news. Undoubtedly, we learn them to understand meant the preaching of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And notice now, he says, preach this good news to who? Not just to the Jew, not just to the Gentile, not just to the Samaritan, but preach this good news, this gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Preach this to every creature, but not just in Samaria, not just in Judea, not just in Jerusalem. Preach this to every creature in the whole world. One of the mandates of the gospel then is that the gospel must be preached. Now, if it's a must for this idea, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to be preached, one reason why it must be preached is that the gospel must be preached because it is a catalyst for the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's a catalyst. In other words, it's going to hasten the second coming of Jesus Christ. You all have heard me before stand up here and say, Uh, one of the many reasons, if not just one of many, mind you, that we should give to foreign missionaries and world missions of people in foreign lands and not just foreign but home missionaries that are in other states that are establishing churches in different places because whenever you do that, these people then in all these different areas to different people, all right, Uh uh-huh, in different places, every creature, all nations, they are then preaching the gospel to these people and what that does then then hastens the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible says in Matthew 24 14 written there in the gospels and this gospel everybody say gospel and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness what unto all nations and then shall the end come but the end will not come until this gospel is preached to every creature and every nation. So why should we preach the gospel? Number one, we, the gospel must be preached because in preaching the gospel, it just draws you closer to home, closer to the end of where you're living right now, closer to the end of your sorrow. Uh-huh, you ever had sorrow in this life? We some, you know, said, well, whew, second coming to the Lord, praise God. Man, I'm not just looking at what I'm gaining. I'm looking what I'm leaving, and I'm smiling about it. Amen. So the gospel must be preached because it hastens the second coming of Jesus Christ. We have a lot of insight concerning the gospel from the Apostle Paul in New Testament Scripture. And one of the reasons why that's so is because a lot of the New Testament, at least two-thirds of it, was written by the hand of Paul. So where we hear a lot in the New Testament concerning the gospel, it's directly toward Paul because he did a lot of writing of the New Testament scripture. But we have a lot of insight from him because according to Paul, and just share a few verses of scripture, they won't be up 
on your screen for you. According to Paul, he says the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel. He said, God called me for the purpose of preaching the gospel of Acts 16.10. He says, Paul says, I am ready to preach the gospel. Romans 1.15. Paul says, I strive. Man, he took this thing very personal about preaching the gospel. He says, I strive to preach the gospel. Romans 15.20. In Galatians 2.2, Paul says, communicated unto them that gospel. So time and time again in the New Testament Scripture, we see the apostle, man, he's doing the must of the gospel, and it must be preached. It must be taught. For one reason, the second coming of Jesus Christ to come that much quicker, that much faster. But Paul understood the necessity of preaching and teaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so much so that he even said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, he said, yea, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. If there's something that we must find, amen, in uh, churches of America today, and that is a preached gospel. There must be a preached gospel. We still must talk about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. It must be preached. Secondly, another reason why the gospel must be preached, it must be preached because it is the means, listen, it is the means or the way that we are born or birthed spiritually if we obey the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 15, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, Paul says, I have begotten you through the gospel. The gospel must be preached because the gospel is the means or the way by which we are begotten, by which we are born, by which we are born again in spiritual terms. It happens through and by the gospel. People don't want to talk about a crucifix, an old rugged tree today like they used to. Don't want to talk about a death. Don't want to necessarily even talk about a resurrection much. As a matter of fact, still yet today, there's articles being written, archaeologists that's doing the digging they can do. And you'll read all these false stories sometimes, and they're just trying to make all everything just align just right so something can be said that they found the bones of Jesus Christ or that he never really resurrected or all this hodgepodge that's going on because people's not wanting to accept that. Why, why do you think there's such a crosshair on the idea of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whether or not he ever died, whether or not he ever resurrected? Because if they can somehow deceive us in our minds that that never happened everything that we believe the whole process that has happened in our life is totally null and void because we're begotten by the gospel by the obedience to the bed narrow and resurrection we'll get into really what that is before it's all said and done this morning but the gospel you're begotten by it. you're born by the gospel consider if you will uh, the scripture in acts chapter number eight i don't have anything up there for you but in acts chapter number eight there's a story told there's a great revival that broke out in Samaria. People are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts 8. Uh, Peter and John come to come down and help uh, pray some of these people through. Amen. Uh, baptize some of these people. And Philip is there. And the Bible states that Philip was taken away. And he was taken out into a desert place. And whenever he was out here in this desert place, there was an Ethiopian eunuch that sat in his chariot that was reading the word of the Lord from Isaiah. He was reading there. And Philip came to where this Ethiopian eunuch was, and you can read of the account in Acts 8, verses 26 through 40, that as he was reading the scripture, this Ethiopian eunuch, uh, Philip came to him and basically asked him, do you understand what you are reading? And he says, well, how can I understand except, except someone guide me? And the place of the scripture, notice now, this is verse number 32. The place of the scripture which this eunuch was reading was, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. Now this is Isaiah, a prophet prophesying. These are the words of Isaiah, a prophet prophesying of the time of Jesus Christ. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation... 
His judgment was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so Philip began where this man was reading. He was reading about, he said in his humiliation, he was reading about the crucifixion that was prophesied by Isaiah that would come. He was reading of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Philip opened his mouth at the same scripture, mind you, and preached unto him Jesus. Now, if he started at the scripture where the Ethiopian eunuch was reading that was prophesying about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, then Philip must have picked up his message talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. He preached Jesus, the Bible says. I am persuaded that he preached the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection because later in Scripture, here they are going down the road, evidently. We read according to the Word of God here in Acts 8. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, Hey, look over there. There's some water. He says, What does hinder me from being baptized? Philip's not saying this. The eunuch is saying this. Now, how in the world would the eunuch even know anything about anything to say that had he not been taught or had not been preached to just a little while back by Philip who started with the crucifix, undoubtedly told him about baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying we're begotten by the gospel. Because Philip preached the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see later than this eunuch wanted to be baptized, evidently. Why? Because he heard the message of the gospel. So the gospel must be preached because that is the means and the way through which we are born again, through which we are begotten. Amen. Again, let's consider this. Acts chapter number 2. We look at the day of Pentecost, all the, all, all the events of the day of Pentecost. And a lot of times we, we misappropriate this to a certain degree. Uh, we misinterpret this. A lot of times we call what, what Peter says in Acts 2.38, and then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We many times have termed that verse Peter's message. That wasn't so much Peter's message as Peter's response to a question. If you back up in the word of the Lord in Acts chapter number 2 and you look somewhere around verse number 23 and if you read the whole scenario of Acts 2, Peter's message consumed much of this right here. Speaking of him, Jesus Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised, and we know what happens to slain, crucified things, they're buried. Amen. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. He even goes to Scripture and speaks about David, how David's going to see corruption. But that's not what happened with Jesus Christ. So he's, what's, what's, what, what are you doing, Peter? Peter's preaching a message before the response of Acts 2.38. He's preaching a message called the gospel, the death. The burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And look what the power of preaching the gospel does. Whenever they have heard this, whenever they ingest this in their life, the people is this in verse 37. When they heard this, the scripture says, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? <laughs> the power of the gospel being preached prompted the question, what, what shall we do? And then Peter's response to their question. He was mirroring the Lord's death. He was mirroring the Lord's burial. And he was mirroring the Lord's resurrection. Just as your Lord, just as Jesus Christ died, you got to repent. Your old man, your old flesh, it has to die. There has to be forgiveness of sins. He says, just as he was buried, you got to be buried or baptized, if you will, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as he resurrected, he said, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're going to have a new life, a new creature, a new beginning in Christ Jesus. We must preach the gospel because it's through and by the gospel that we are begotten. Begotten. By the gospel. The gospel must be preached. And this is, I know that this is very elementary, but listen. One of the reasons why the gospel must be preached, the third reason I should say why the gospel must be preached, 
is because it has to be preached so it can be received. Romans 10, if you wish to turn there with me, but Romans 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not, in, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear? Let me just even break it down. How, how shall they receive? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, you talk to somebody all day long. Talk to somebody all day long. But if they have no knowledge of Jesus Christ, they have no knowledge of what he did, what he went through, the life that he sacrificed, you're asking them to believe in something that they've not even heard of. You know how it is whenever you even first hear something, you're a little skeptical. Man, they got this new washout. You just dab a few little drops on there, rub it, and woo, there it is. Some time ago, what was it? Uh, Brother Terry, whenever, whenever you got hooked on that, that lubrication oil that penetrates even the metal, now anybody would ever hear about that say, you're crazy. Some of y'all look at me now and say, what are you talking about? So I tell you what, though, you use some of that stuff, you're going to find out. Now, the reason why some of you don't believe, it, it penetrates the metal, actually absorbs into the metal, penetrates the metal. That sounds crazy. Yeah, it does. But you've never heard about it. If we, if we would be able to sit down and talk to you and give you some personal testimonies of, I'll tell you what I did with mine and da-da-da. You know, you, they're going to start to encourage a belief. But so in order for people to believe or in order for people to receive even sometimes, they got to somehow hear. But they can't hear without it being preached, without it being taught. So the gospel has to be preached so it can be heard. It's got to be preached so it can be received. Amen. But as stated in our scripture setting of 1 Corinthians 15, 11, he said very clearly, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed, he said. In other words, Paul, Paul, he wasn't taking no edge on this, this thing. He said, it doesn't matter if you heard the gospel preached through me or you heard it preached through somebody else. So it doesn't matter who the gospel was preached through, but if you heard the gospel preached, he said, then the people's going to believe. Amen. And so what he's explaining is, is in the very essence is the dynamics of the gospel. We preach, you believe. It seems like the preaching of the gospel precedes the believing of the gospel. And so you need it to be declared, you need it to be preached in order for somebody to receive it. But that brings me from not, not just one of the must, that the gospel must be preached, but secondly, as we receive in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received. The second must of the gospel is the gospel must be received. We can preach all day long, but the gospel has to be received. And a matter of fact, the gospel is designed in such a way that it's like one transmits it and the other receives it. it if I just break it down in terms we can understand, it's like a, it's like a, a radio station that, that, uh, that, that, a radio station that's broadcasting a radio signal for their particular program. And that radio signal is real, absolutely real. You can't see it in the airwaves, but it is absolutely real. It is there. But if you had a receiver, mm -hmm. if you had it, they used to call them, you know, and FM transistors or receivers. You know, I know that's old school, but uh, anyway, if you had a receiver, and back then, you know, you could do the little dial and that little thing went back and forth and that's so aggravating. Now we got that digital and you just get right on the exact number. But back then, you kind of eyeing it, closing one eye with that little dial. If you had a receiver, you could pick up on the signal that the radio station was broadcasting. Now that radio 
broadcasts that happen in maybe 24 hours a day if it's a 24-hour-a-day station, but that didn't mean anything if you didn't have a receiver. Amen? You had to have a receiver. You've got to tune in. You've got to get on the same frequency in order to receive the signal. So we must preach the gospel. That's a must. But a second must of the gospel is that it must be received. And sometimes in order to receive it, we've got to dial in. We've got to get on the same frequency, the same channel. You know, there are, in my opinion, there are basic two reasons why the gospel may not be received. Number one, it's not being preached. You're trying to find a station that doesn't exist. Maybe it's not being preached. Secondly, it may not be willfully being received. <laughs> and whenever we preach the gospel for the purpose of someone else receiving it, and if they would receive it, that in essence explains the function of the church. Because this is where we preach the gospel. And we pray that this is the place where people will dial in on the right frequency and receive the gospel that is being preached. Now, have you ever, you ever been listening to a, a, a radio station and that station, you might have said, boy, that station just isn't very strong today. Have you ever said that? And that station ain't very strong. And there's a lot of static on that signal today. <laughs> well, I understand in our real world you can get out of reach of a signal of a particular station. You know, and there's some static. But let me tell you, concerning the gospel, there's never, if there's ever a time that you say, boy, that signal's just not as strong today. <laughs> Concerning the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. If it's ever, boy, there's a little static in that. I guarantee you there's nothing wrong with the signal. Maybe the receiver has some issues. Because the signal is strong and will be strong. It'll be clear. It will be clear. It doesn't have any static. You can receive it if you just hone in just right. The Bible says in James 1, 21, Wherefore, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and look now at the word and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Because to receive, truly receive the gospel is to obey the gospel. Verse 16 of Romans 10 that we read, you know, how can you hear without a preacher? He's preaching the, the good news. It goes on and tells us that after the preaching of the gospel and all this that took place, not all obeyed the gospel. Even after the proclamation of it, not everybody obeyed the gospel. And true receiving of the gospel happens in the obedience of the gospel. Now listen, folks, let me tell you right now, we, we don't have to draw cards or think about this. You do not want to be numbered among them that do not obey the gospel. You do not want to be numbered among them that do not likewise, amen, die with Christ in his death, are buried with him, or are buried with him in baptism, as scripture states, and walk with him in newness of life. You want to do that. You do not want to be one of those that are numbered as ones that do not obey the gospel because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians, behind me, chapter 1 and verse 8. He is speaking about the coming of the Lord. He is speaking about the judgment of God that's going to fall. And he says in verse 11, he says, in flaming fire taking vengeance, he's describing God on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you and mark it right now on your to-do list. I am not going to be among those that obey not the gospel because this is the certain and definite end. For those who obey not the gospel. Whenever it's been preached to them, it was there, but they just didn't tune in. They didn't receive. They did not obey the gospel. Number three, back to 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number one. So he said, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye received. Look now, and wherein ye stand. Another, another must of the gospel. Number one, it must be preached. Number two, it must be received. Number three, it must be stood on. It must be stood on. There's something about people who truly receive the gospel. It gives them, that individual, some stability. 
a truly received gospel will give you some stability. And let's, let's just all agree, we all need some stability in our slippery society. Uh-huh. In order to keep our stand, keep our walk, keep our feet. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and verse 11, the scripture says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. How's that happen in a person's life? It's by virtue of receiving, obeying, if you will, the gospel. It brings stability in your life. David said, amen, is referred to in 2 Samuel 22 and verse 32. Brother James, you're doing a fine job this morning. Thank you so much for keeping up with me, because he is. The Bible says, he maketh my feet like hinds feet. Uh-huh. And setteth me upon my high places. Verse 37. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me so that my feet did not slip. The gospel must be stood on. And when it is, it will give you some stability. Why stand on the gospel? Here's a good reason. Because it is permanent. Everyone say permanent. The book of Revelation. You can read in Revelation 14.6. Revelation 14.6. There, the gospel is spoken as, everyone say, the everlasting. The everlasting gospel. Stand on the gospel. That death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stand on that. It's permanent. It'll give you stability. Now, Paul spoke this because in his day, people were coming with another gospel. There's only one gospel. But they were coming with another gospel. And his, his plea to them is that if we or an angel come and preach any other gospel, he said, let that be accursed because that other gospel is not this gospel. That other gospel isn't the everlasting gospel. That other gospel might be some philosophy of man, but this is the gospel. This is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't be begotten through another gospel. You can only be begotten through this gospel. You can't have new birth, new life, all that, but through this gospel. The everlasting, any other gospel pales in comparison. It's not the true gospel. It's only one gospel. This is the gospel. You've got to stand on this. You stand on something else, you're like the two men, the one that was wise and the one that was a fool. One built his house upon the rock, the other built his house upon the sand. You build on the rock the everlasting gospel. Rains come, floods rise, stands. You want to go to another gospel, stand on the sand. You'll have the same wind and you'll have the same flood, but you're going to be washed away because you're not on an everlasting I'm talking about something you can stand on. Amen. So the gospel, what? Must be preached, must be received, and it must be stood on. Number four, if I'm numbering all over the place, I got two different groups of numbers going. If the gospel is preached, if it's received or obeyed, if it is stood on, According to verse number 2 of 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm going to read from verse 1 again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. There it is. Which also you have received. There it is. And wherein ye stand. There it is. Number 2. By which also ye are saved. The gospel. If it's preached. If it's received. Obeyed. If it is stood on. It has the capability of saving. Romans 6, verse number 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Look, death. Therefore we are buried, here's burial, with him by baptism into death. That like, like as, similar to, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his 
resurrection. Knowing this, I'm telling you, this Bible, it does preach itself sometimes. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified. Here we go, back to death with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. The apostle has brought the likeness and the similitude all together right here in Romans 6. He speaks about the Lord's crucifixion, his death. He speaks about his burial. And he speaks about his resurrection. And all of this, he's talking about us participating in some way of like manner. Participating in that death. Participating in that burial. And participating in that resurrection. And we participate in that death as the response that Peter had to the group of people on the day of Pentecost. We, re, we, 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 we participate in that death by our repentance, which is basically a forgiveness of sins, asking God to forgive us of our sins. In doing so, in like manner, we've died with Christ. Whenever we're buried, we're being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're buried with him or we're planted with him in his death, in that burial. In like manner, we do that with Christ when we're buried in the water of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. And then we walk in newness of life or in resurrection. We have a resurrected life whenever we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, listen to me. What sets, listen, what sets this gospel aside from other teachings or other religions or even other leaders of other religions, what sets this gospel aside from any other other leaders, Muhammad, whatever, died, buried. Hare Krishna, died, buried. That's bad news. <laughs> Good news, Christianity, Jesus, died, buried. Search out every other religion of the world. Their leader, whoever had the, the, you know, the forefront of oppressing that religion and then starting it or whatever they call it, Find that leader. You look up. You read where you say, well, this, this, was, this was the organizer, the leader of so and so forth. You take that name. You look it up. Google it on the Internet. And you know what you're going to find? Unless it's not happened yet, <laughs> unless it's some new religion, you're going to find the day they were born and the day that they die. But if you consider the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll say whenever he was born in the Bethlehem, and he'll tell you whenever he died upon Calvary. But he'll also tell you three days later, he rose again. That makes this message, this gospel, this truth different from any other truth, from any other culture. The resurrection. Many even of Paul's day and culture did not even believe in the resurrection. We talked about the Sadducees before, before, and you have a problem remembering Sadducee, Pharisee, I've told you before. The Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. All right? They don't believe in the resurrection. And so there was many that they didn't believe in the resurrection. The Corinthian church to whom Paul was writing did not believe in a resurrection. Now, understand this very well. And just walk with me here just for a few more minutes. The Corinthian church did not deny, listen, did not deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But they didn't believe in the resurrection of their own bodies. Their own resurrection. They accepted that Jesus Christ resurrected, but they couldn't accept that their bodies would resurrect one day. Amen. But there's a problem here. And really, 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul dealing with this problem of the people accepting Jesus Christ resurrected, but couldn't accept their personal resurrections. I tell you what, there's a powerful truth right there. Because even in apostolic churches, and I'm not talking on a natural level, but on a spiritual level, some people that sit with us are exposed to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, repentance, remission of sins, and, and, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. They, they will go through the repentance and repent all day long and be baptized, but they have a hard time accepting that they can have a resurrected life. But the scripture, the argument of Paul is basically this in 1 Corinthians 15, 13. He says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, he said, then is Christ not risen? If there's no resurrection of the body, Christ, a man, died, body, resurrected. He said, there, then, then is Christ not risen? He go down to verse number 17, and he further exclaims, and if Christ be not risen, your faith 
is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. And Romans tells us the penalty of our sin is death without remedy. It says, so we're in an awful shape because if you don't believe in a resurrection, then Christ didn't raise, and if Christ didn't raise, you're still in your sin. You're without hope. You have no way out. <laughs> Someone say amen. But Christ died. He died a lot of, he died for our selfish independence. He died for our rejection of his way, his way of righteousness. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, thank you, Brother Malone, in 53 and verse 5, a common quoted verse, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Here again is Isaiah prophetically speaking about when Jesus Christ would be crucified. And with his stripes we are healed. Now look at verse 6. Everybody say, all. all. That's everybody. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That is a description of humanity within itself. We have all chose our own path, our own way, doing our own thing. And the Bible says that the, oh, continuing with that rather, all sheep have gone their own way, everyone turned their own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Every single one of us. Furthermore, I won't hold you too much longer, but furthermore, in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul again, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So Paul just kind of boils the extent of all of his knowledge down to one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it doesn't seem as though he goes on to say anything about the burial resurrection at this time because concerning Jesus Christ, the natural outflow of Christ's crucifix, then comes his burial, and then comes his resurrection, newness of life. Now, here's the thing, and I'll close very quickly. The New Testament church here in Corinth had a hard time grasping the idea that their bodies would be resurrected, and this is why. Just, just stay with me. They're thinking, in these bodies, they are by nature sinful, just as David said, Shaping in iniquity. In sin did my mother birth me, he said. The Bible speaks to us in Genesis. Yeah, Genesis, that Adam was made in the likeness of God. But sin entered the picture that marred the image. And after that, you see that his son, like Seth, was made in Adam's image. That's the image of a fallen man. And so everyone has been from that point of time. By one man's sin, death entered on the world. New Testament scripture tells us. And so they had this idea, my body is a sinful body, and so if it dies and goes into the ground, man, the last thing that we need is a resurrected sinful body. You understand the mindset? Listen to me very clearly, though. The scripture and the terminology even in Romans is planted, or he even speaks in another portion of scripture, but if a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, Basically, it can be of no real benefit. You know, I, I just, it's just been several weeks ago, Mariah brought home some seeds. I, it might have been from this church, I don't remember. Marigold, marigold seeds. That seed, that body, almost looked like a small little feather. It really did. It kind of just, if you know what a marigold seed looks like, I'm sorry. Or you want to go somewhere else, acorn, everybody knows what acorn looks like, right? Huh? A little acorn, got that little top on there. If I bury that in the ground, what comes out of the ground doesn't look like an acorn. That little flowery marigold that I, I mean, it looked like a feather, almost like a little feather. I put that down in there and had several of them. Now we got marigolds popping up. Don't look anything like what's put in the ground. Its resurrection looks different than what was buried. They had the concept, man, it's going to be a, a resurrected body, this old body of sin and body of flesh. Man, it's it going to be buried and going to be resurrected. We're going to have the same old body of flesh. Uh-uh. Because what you bury never resembles what is resurrected. Hear me today. Somebody hear me this morning. I got good.
good news for you. Your life can be stained with sin, overwhelmed with sin, but if you'll repent of the sin, He'll forgive you. We've said before, if you confess your sin to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says in 1 John, if that happens and you're buried in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, you don't have to think twice and think, well, I'm going to go down this newness of life. It's just going to be an old man of sin again. No, no, no. The seed never resembles what the plan is. And neither does the buried life ever resemble what the resurrected life is. It's a new creature in Christ Jesus. And it all takes place by the gospel. The gospel must be preached. The gospel must be received. The gospel must be stood on. And if you do that by all means, that gospel will be able to save you. Amen. Just stand with me this morning. Amen. Whew. Plant that acorn in the ground, you're going to have you an oak tree. <gasps> Amen. <laughs> Glory. We must have the gospel. We got to preach it. We got to teach it. We got to do it. Why? Because I, I want to hasten his coming. I want to hasten his coming. I'm begotten by that today. Can we close our eyes all across this place? Amen. This morning, the gospel has been spoken. I've shared with you the gospel. I've shared with you the good news. I've shared with you more particularly the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's been preached this morning. That signal has been broadcast today. I'm asking today, is there any receiver in the house that's dialed in? On the Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.